I'm Jamie Wheeler. When my daughter, who has autism, turned 18, the programs we depended on suddenly stopped, although her needs did not. So I started Austin's Autistic Adventures, a nonprofit dedicated to empowering autistic adults and their families. Much like our nonprofit, this podcast aims to spark candid conversations and build community. Welcome to Autism Unplugged. Welcome to Autism Unplugged, the show that talks about all things autism. We generally focus on teens and adults, but today I'm very happy to have with me Kelly from a well-known group in the DFW area called Awesome Moms. Kelly, would you please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your group? Thanks, guys. I'm so excited to be here. So my name is Kelly Andrus. I'm a wife, uh, a mom, dog mom. I have two sons. My older son is Bradley. He's 14. He just started high school this year. And he is the reason why I formed Awesome Moms in the first place. He was diagnosed pretty young, 18 months, I believe. And it was just a little hard. We were uh, scouring websites. We were trying to find anything we could online. And we found a couple of support groups and we went to a couple of different sessions. And they were moms who had kids a lot older than Bradley. And it was kind of scary and a little discouraging that uh, we just were having a hard time finding parents like us to connect with. Through some more hunting online, I found a group called My Autism Team. And I don't even know if the group exists anymore. But in that group, you could put in your city and your child's age, kind of like a dating site. It would connect you with other parents who had children on the spectrum of your child's age. So I found like one mom in McKinney, one mom in Waxahachie, one mom in Louisville. And I planned for us to all have dinner one night. And we did. And it was great. But we just started uh, texting each other. And that got really hard really quick to keep it all together to stay track of each other so I created a Facebook page and off the top of my head I just said awesome moms because the AU for awesome we loved it we were able to post photos we were able to have an online forum chat openly with each other and it grew and the next week it started out with six of us and the next week it was 20 and the next week it was 40, and the next week it was 100. And because our kids were in like PPCD or comm class, or you know, they're all called different things in different districts, but we would meet different moms and then we would invite them to join the group. And then we'd meet a mom at the park and we'd invite them to join the group. So it just like organically grew. And now it's a, mo- a group of, Uh, I think we're almost right around 8,000 moms, maybe a little under. And it's just, it's continuing to grow. Every single day, I get multiple uh, requests to join the groups. We have changed a lot. We formed our nonprofit, our 501c3, in 2014. It's been about nine years now. And we've changed so much since the little group of six moms. We have five to seven big family events a year. We have a mom's night out dinner every month. Just a casual get together. Um, It's a great way for new moms in the group to kind of figure out who we are. It's a lot easier to figure it out in person than it is just scrolling and reading the post, which is great too. It's helpful too, especially for a lot of the moms that can't get out. That's what we're seeing more and more is that some of these moms have just been home with their kids by themselves for years. And 
They don't have anybody to talk to. They can't even make a in-person support group meeting. So the online forum is wonderful for that. Now we're gotten to the point where we're big and we can raise money and we're doing stuff like ABA grants and swim lessons. We did an angel tree fund. We've just got all sorts of stuff going on. But um, long story short, that's who we are and what we do. That's a really wonderful story. And of course, the need for support is it's just astronomical. There are so many parents and siblings and grandparents feel very alone in this world. Um, I'll just say it doesn't surprise me at all that you meet so many moms on a weekly basis because when my daughter, who is now 26, and Lisa's son, who's 25, Mm -hmm. were diagnosed, the rates of autism were about 1 in 500, if I remember correctly. The latest statistics are 1 in 38, which is just mind-blowing to me. Like you, we never have any trouble finding people who need help because it's like swinging a cat. I can't even tell you the last time I spoke to a person who doesn't have autism in their personal lives or knows someone who does. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Everybody, either they're related to somebody, it's a neighbor, it's a kid's friend. I haven't met anybody in so long where autism hadn't touched their lives in some way or another. And what's crazy to me. I guess it's not crazy to me. Maybe I was one of these people before my son was diagnosed is so many people just assume that there's state services. Oh, yeah. Oh, don't you guys get a a check? Or isn't therapy free? People really just assume that. And honestly, I did too. When my son was old enough for uh, ABA therapy, I contacted my HR department and said, okay, so how do I get this running? And they were like, We don't cover it. Just straight up, we don't cover it. Explain to people who may not know what ABA is. Oh, ABA is Applied Behavior Analysis Therapy. And it's basically based off of repetition. But it's also, there's no like punishment with it. There's no negative to ABA therapy. It's all positive reinforcement. Really good ABA therapy for a kid should be really fun. It should be play-based. The therapist should be their best friend. They learn through doing things like social skills, through playing games, through having fun, that these things are what we want to work towards. And those things are usually communication, understanding what certain words mean, especially like danger words, Mm -hmm. stop, careful, hot, stuff like that. And every kid is at a different level with their development. So their individual therapist, their RBT and their BCBA, they're going to work at a plan with the parents on what do we need to focus on? What things are making them unhappy? What things can make their life easier? And so it's a whole plan with your team on how to make your child more independent and productive and happy and excellent therapy, in my opinion. It was really good for my son. I think that is Not basically. That's exactly what we do at Austin's Autistic Adventures, even though none of us have degrees or can call ourselves ABA therapists. But we just know from raising our children that positive reinforcement, lots of repetition is what's going to make the difference. It may not be as big a difference as you may hope to see, but it does make a difference. Yeah. When our children were younger, ABA didn't come about until he was well into upper grade school probably Mm -hmm. and even then it was 
something you heard about but wasn't as available. So we kind of had to do it organically. Right. <laughs> we just had to figure it and out. That's what that's what why we have you here because Lisa and I and a lot of people that have adult children on the spectrum We've been through all these things you guys are still struggling with. And luckily, for people who have younger children, a lot of that has been figured out. And we're so happy for you guys that have younger children. But we want you to know that the frontier for teens and adults with autism is still very wide open. And we're still trying to craft that path for you. Um, help to craft it, help to, to lay it down. What you and I did uh, last night was ask members of your group, Awesome Moms, to ask us who have older people on the spectrum a few questions. So did you have any personal questions you wanted to ask before we get into these? Um, actually, a lot of the questions that I had, some of the moms voiced the exact same things. You know, Bradley being at 14, He is old enough for me to be very aware and very concerned about what's going to happen in the next five years. Mm -hmm. It is on my mind. I'm really happy that he is enjoying high school as much as he is. It's a blessing for me. It's such a relief to me. But I know those years are going to go by very quickly. So I'm really looking at you guys to guide me and a lot of the moms with children my age in the group, kind of get us ready mentally, financially, (laughs) as much as possible, everything for what's going to come. I can read a couple of uh, the questions if you'd like. Yeah, read the first question, and then Lisa and I will dive in and give you some answers. Okay. Hopefully. (laughs) So one of the moms is asking, any pointers for the transition from high school to adulthood? Anything you wish someone would have told you ahead of time? I got a lot of information thrown at me through the school district. I wish I had had someone who knew what they were saying with me, an advocate besides me as the advocate for my child. Sure. Because there's a lot of information, different agencies they tell you to contact, different things you need to sign up for. And and you walk out of there and you're like, okay, what am I supposed to do? (laughs) It's true. Um, When Austin graduated from high school, I was given a inch thick binder but it was nobody went through it with me. I mean, I got a couple of suggestions here and there. Here's one thing that you should absolutely do, no matter how old your child is. Sign them up for those programs now, like class. I can't remember what all. Oh, uh, we call them the lists. The lists. Yes. The lists. Even if I didn't sign up for it when Austin, my daughter, was eight, I was first given this information. But we were still unsure about autism in general. Long story, but. I thought, oh, we're not going to need that. All will be fine. So she, I did not put her on the list until she was 18, and now she will be 32 before she's even eligible for services. And what's really scary about these services is their method of contacting you on this years-long waiting list that you have probably forgotten about because you have to live a life and raise an autistic person – They've called you on the phone. One phone call. One phone call. Who answers their phone with people they don't know anymore? Yeah. That's crazy to me. We have a a mom in our group who their emergency contact managed to pick up the phone. Had she not picked up the phone, how would you even know that? You wouldn't even know. Oh, you you so... wouldn't even go to the bottom of the list. You would just leave the list. Oh, fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's nice. got, that has to be changed. It's that's something I would yeah. like for our groups to work together to maybe craft some 
petition or something to get that change because that's ridiculous. And you can't (laughs) count on that to be your kid's safeguard. You just can't. When we got Bradley on the list at 18 months, they told us it was about a 10 to 12 year wait list then. Mm -hmm. So he's 14 now and there's still 42,000 kids ahead of him. So I don't even know how many years that works out to be. Uh, Texas, as you may, may or may not know, ranks 49th out of 50 in services for adults with autism. I think they rate 49th out of 50 for all all people with autism. I'm sorry, I misspoke. I'm so used to saying adults for any autism service or disability in general. So, yeah, get ready for that. Even if you were proactive like yourself, 18 months, my daughter 18 years, this is just not money you can count on. So that would be my advice to you. I'm glad to hear you say that. Is there anything else about the transition to adulthood that you may have to navigate? You know, every child is different. Justin went through the transition program through the school district, which continues from graduation or 18 years of age to 22 years of age here. And they focus mostly on job training, which was very helpful for him, but we found out that he still couldn't interact with people appropriately, and he had a lot of support when he was doing job training. I think that you have to find other things. People will tell you Texas Workforce Commission is out there. They'll help them get a job. They'll help them have someone to train them, but we have learned that those statistics aren't as rosy as they it may sound once you get into it. I think I'm kind of in the same boat on that. Bradley is, he wants to be very independent. Mm -hmm. He is, I call it, he's non-conversational. So he's verbal, but he's not verbal enough to have a back and forth, fluid, flowing conversation. That's a lot like Justin. That's what we, Lisa and I, developed this term called the vast middle. They are not the kids at the very bottom of the spectrum that can't be toilet trained or self-harming, what have you. They're not the person that flies over the city in a helicopter and draws the city. It's everybody else that is minimally conversational, hard to place in jobs, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But we need those services as much as the bottom absolutely, as, as much as the end. And we're not meaning to scare anyone with this information. But you can't fight for your child if you do not have the facts. Absolutely. And realistic facts. Yeah. And we love our children. We think they're amazing. But you have to work diligently and be your child's advocate, not just when they are a child. Start learning to advocate now. Doctors don't know everything. They can't. I think AI is an incredible tool for helping in that field, but that's a whole nother conversation. But yeah, you're going to have to stand up to teachers, to support, to every year, unfortunately. And then after high school, it's harder because you don't even have people to fight. You're just out there on your own trying to advocate for your child. I really think that's why Awesome Moms has been so successful. Mm -hmm. I didn't plan it this way. It happened organically. But I have learned more about autism from other moms who have children that are older than me or the same age or going through the same things that I have than I have from any book, any teacher, any therapist, Mm -hmm. having those other moms to say, hey, I tried this. It worked or, hey, I tried this. It didn't work. Or I know you haven't been able to find a dentist who 
will work with sedation. I know you haven't been able to find a psychiatrist who will work with a nonverbal child. Just having those people who have children older than you and younger than you, it's just been invaluable. I think, I mean, there are many evil things about the internet, but the ability to bring people together who are geographically distant, who may be trapped at home, like you're saying with a lot of the children, that can be very affirming. And I stalk your page quite a bit. I don't comment very often because most of the people in your group have younger children. But I do enjoy the fact that everyone feels free to say, I'm pulling my hair out today. I don't know what to do. Having other people, even if they don't have ideas, just empathize or give you a virtual hug. I didn't have any of that. And I'm sure you didn't have any of that. It was just me and my kid against the world. So the fact that the internet has brought people together, I think is really interesting. Let's get on to some other questions because we have so much to discuss and we may have to have you back for a part two. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you want to read the second question from one of your members? Okay. When to start looking into Dayhab's group or independent housing? What is it really like once the school services stop? Also, what life or vocational skills should parents be thinking about for their kids? Okay, I'm going to give you some statistics here, and then we can all talk about some more squishy things. The average cost for a group home in Texas right now is about $2,000 a month. We're talking about a single-family dwelling in most situations, typically a four-bedroom house, three housemates, a house mother, and that's going to run you about $2,000 a month. Again, you will have to be your own advocate for finding those places. For those of you listening, and we'll put this in the show notes too, you might want to look at the Center for Permanent Housing, which I think is not the great, greatest name, but they do help you and assist you in finding housing for your disabled adult. A dayhab. Would you like to explain what a dayhab is, or shall I? Um, <laughs> dayhab's kind of like a grown-up daycare not i don't want that to sound coarse or anything yeah that's what where they can have a little socialization Mm -hmm. where somebody can keep an eye on them Mm -hmm. where they can uh, you know maybe do a little fun things arts and crafts or be able to interact with other adults with disabilities around the same age the problem with the same age thing is developmentally there is a wide variety you can have a group that is chronologically the same age in a day had group, but they can range from very low to a little bit higher. And how do you instruct that? You have to play to the middle or to the low. So those kids that need a little more stimulation intellectually or whatever kind of don't get what they need because they're having to cater to lower end. Yes, that's very true. And I'll also point out that most Dayhab, I don't know that of any Dayhab that is autism exclusive. So you will have your adult Mm -hmm. or teen or whomever and with a lot of other disabilities. Now, not that's a bad thing necessarily, but autism and my 26 years of experience operates on a, a different wavelength, a different radio frequency. And it's really hard for autistic people to be around people who are loud or just their needs are very different. My daughter was completely unsuccessful and a very known day tab here in Dallas. She began spiraling three weeks in. We saw behaviors from her that we hadn't seen when she was in preschool, biting, hitting herself, obsessing on 
preschool shows, all these things. That wasn't an option for us because she was just losing it. We had to take her out of that. That's something that you'll have to think about budgeting. Do you want a group home? That's two thousand. That's twenty four thousand dollars a year. I don't know about you guys, but yeah. I could not pay a college tuition, a public university tuition, every year for the rest of my life. I had this little thing I wanted to share with you. It says a special needs parent can sometimes plan to raise their child for sixty five years, and while doing so, also has to prepare for the other twenty or so after they themselves are gone. Yeah, it's a, it's a teary and scary mm-hmm. thing to think about. It, it's it really frightening is. if you are not very wealthy. Even if you yeah. are very wealthy and your child is miserable and you're paying for them to be miserable. Okay, so we have the group homes at two grand a month, average cost of a day hab. These statistics are four years old. I couldn't find anything current. $17,000 a year or $1,500 a month. The average cost of independent assisted community housing, you guys may be aware of some of those communities that are popping up around the country, lovely, small homes, lovely community, but they range from $65,000 to $120,000 a year. From what I'm aware of, it's much closer to the upper end. Yes, my, mm-hmm. yeah, too. Like yeah. I said, these statistics are four years old. I couldn't find yeah. anything closer. I will put the link in show notes, too, to where I got these statistics. Well, and also, uh, as far as, like, day habit, group homes, too. Your child has to be at a certain developmental level right. Right. to be accepted. In these That's stories. true. Oh, exactly. so, there has and to- the four criteria, if I'm remembering correctly, is they have to be toilet trained. Yeah. They cannot be violent towards self or others. They cannot have a criminal history. Some do. I can't remember what the fourth one is. I know the self-interest behavior knocks a lot of the moms that I have in my group out. Yeah. You know? And then you go back into the pool of what happens to me after I'm gone. If that w- anybody asks either one of us what keeps us up at night or any autistic parent, that's what keeps us up at night. It's terrifying. So let's talk about... <laughs> how um, your more well-off family members may be able to help you. Please establish a special needs trust for them. It is arduous. It is not inexpensive. There are yearly maintenance fees. I don't know why, but there are. But you should do this because if you do not and family members leave you that money, that is in a normal trust, that money is taxable and can affect whatever income they end up making. I can't give you any more information than that. We have not done that. My own mother has some money to bequeath to my daughter, and so does her father. Neither one of them have done that, and it really terrifies me. And I understand why they haven't. But anyway, those are some of the numbers that you are likely to be encountering. And history tells us that things don't get cheaper. If you are an average income person like myself, or like Lisa, all of those options are just, forget it. <laughs> I mean, there's no way. So I agree. The special yeah. needs trust is an absolute must. I can go ahead and put some links on our Facebook page for our moms on that. We get that question every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the moms refer, there's probably about three to five names that I say are the big names that go around. The Weeks group is a big one. They've helped a lot of families that I know, but I don't like to advocate 
from the point of Awesome Moms. I can this give is refer- personal. Yes, I can give ref- a referral from Kelly Andrus, but right. not from Awesome Moms. Exactly. The, and when we have our resource fair every year, which we'll be having our next one in April of next year. Please include us. Oh, absolutely. We'd love <laughs> yeah. to have you guys out there with your booth and Austin or any kids who want to come. And no disrespect when I say kids. And anybody yes. like under 30, I'm going to call a kid. Yeah. <laughs> we call our kids in quotation marks because I hate silly acronyms. I'm not going to call them some adventurers right now. No. <laughs> just their kids and you can handle it. All right. Let's go on to a little bit of maybe happier conversation. Would you like to read the next oh, question, sure. Kelly? Best advice when the kids are young. I keep pushing my son to try things and to do things, but I'm not sure if I'm doing the right thing. Thank you. Okay. I'll start off with this one. I'm a pusher. I mm-hmm. always have been. I think a lot of the time my son gives me signs when he's had enough or when he doesn't like something. And I respect that and I respect his boundaries. I don't want to make him miserable on anything he tries. But we've tried a lot of different things and we try a lot of new things. And sometimes it surprises us both on something he really responds to. When he was five and we joined Miracle League and I was like, oh, he's going to play baseball with the other little kids. Yeah, he hated it. (laughs) Hated it. And Miracle League was like the most amazing organization you can imagine. They welcomed up with us with open arms. He had mm-hmm. his little uniform. Aww. He cried every time. Just hated <laughs> it. And I loved his buddy so much. I was like, I want to adopt his buddy. This is my new family. No. Yep. So Miracle League didn't work for us. We tried gymnastics because he's very active. Autistic and... five-year-old climbing all over me all the time. Yeah. Uh, that one, that one's so great either. You know, um, he's attracted to doors that say emergency exit only. And <laughs> and after we uh, got the fire department called on us a couple of times for hitting those doors, we were like, we're going to try something else. So then we tried horseback riding and he loved it mm-hmm. from day one. He started it when he was five. He is still riding every Saturday. Nice. We know a lot of people. Austin was in Spirit Horse, and she liked it okay, but she never seemed to really get that much out of it. But we did try. Oh, yeah. And we thought some kid's going to come along that loves it, so we're not going to keep doing the same thing when she's meh about it. Yeah. Yeah. We started off at Spirit Horse, too. Did you? They're not around anymore. I was so hard to Um, hear that. Yeah. They had some stuff. Yeah. (laughs) There's a lot of equestrian programs. But Spirit Horse was completely free, which was helpful. There's so many of them in the Metroplex, too. There's a lot. We're over at New Hope. There's Unbridled. There's Main Gate. There's at least a dozen. Uh, There are. And if that works for you, absolutely try it. But I think we we all would say, yes, you must push your autistic child. You don't have have to like it every time. Temple Grandin said, the best thing anyone ever did for me was teach me new things. That's the Mm -hmm. foundation that I built our nonprofit on. And that's what we continue to do today. Uh, Part of our whole raison d'etre. That's our whole reason for being at Austin's Autistic Adventures. We are here to provide those new experiences is to see what hits. That's why we meet five days a week. We have either a social event like bowling or swimming or just something fun because autistic people need that. They need to be with other autistic people. They need to just learn to take turns, to have conversations, to all kinds of social things they need to do. But we also offer a variety of classes. Today, they're having Spanish class, something helpful in Texas. They have art and improv and all these different things. 
And what we always tell people when they first join the group is your kid is going to resist at first, especially Mm -hmm. if they've been home for a number of years, being unsuccessful in jobs. We'll talk about that on maybe the next podcast, being unsuccessful in attending college because we treat the whole spectrum. We have completely nonverbal to kids that are in college and drive and live by themselves, but they still will get into a rut. And that could be just isolating to themselves, ordering in, or watching if they're TV on their own, watching videos, a, videos I mean, or TV. I get it. I'm, I'm not afraid to admit I'm not a big fan of brand new things, and I hate starting a new job. Mm-hmm. I hate, you know, but I really just haven't left myself too many options. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With socialization, I think one of the cool things that has come to be in our program is because the events or classes are self-selecting for parents, a person on the spectrum may have a friend that they're comfortable with there one day, but the next day it's a different set of friends because that's what works into their typically parents' schedules. So we have all kinds of opportunities for making new social connections, to learning new things, to being out in the world. That's great. I didn't even think about that. Oh, thanks. It's <laughs> almost, yeah, it almost forces them not to create the comfortable Clicks. little niche yeah. every time. Every yeah. time. And that's yeah. something yeah, I brought exactly. from my life as a professor. I would mix my kids up. I would say, nope, we're all switching seats today. And they would whine and moan about it. Because like you were saying, nobody wants to be the new person. Okay, you're sitting with these four people. You've made a bond. You don't want that messed up. We mess it up. Especially kids on the spectrum. Oh, absolutely. Your routine is Mm -hmm. so So comforting. Right. And that... I was going to say, that's one thing about the exposure to new things. It's not even just when they're small, they will try and dictate through their behaviors what they will accept and tolerate. You cannot give in to that 100% of the time because they will just control everything. And by the time they're teenagers... You won't be able to change that behavior you because it becomes ingrained. Up. You can't pick you them can't up and carry them with you. A lot of our kids, we have big guys in our group. And if oh, they don't want I, I, I have, have you to, seen my son? Yeah, I have. Yeah. So it's really, I've heard people who are listening, they're younger kids. You really have to get a handle on that soon. And you must have some routine. I think all people need routine. But you can't be so rigid in your routine that... You never expose them to anything else. But, you know, consistency and discipline, true for any kid, a bazillion percent true for autistic kids because it's like that experiment where there are two rats and the one rat, every time he hits the bar, he gets a treat. And then the other rat, if he hits the bar, sometimes he gets a treat and sometimes he gets a shock. That rat will go bananas. It will drive itself crazy because it never knows what's going to happen. Is that sure. making yeah. sense? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I see a lot of this on your page, and I want to say, oh, I know it's so hard. I know it's so hard, but you've got, you're going to school. Yeah, we have you a know? lot of very tender-hearted mothers, which mm-hmm. I love my kids. I'm a good mom. But when Bradley was little, we didn't know he was autistic at, when this was happening. But he didn't really like to be held that much. Mm. He didn't like to be cuddled. And I was like, guess what? You're going to be hugged and cuddled anyway. And I then love you find you. out later that, that the part of that compression therapy is actually beneficial. And, yeah, and, and then as he got, yeah, as he got a couple years older... Then he didn't like giving straightforward hugs. We called it the backwards hugs. Mm. He would back into you mm-hmm. so that you would wrap your arms around mm-hmm. him He's and squeeze him. Yeah. yeah, a lot of it's parenting style, but a lot of it is also don't feel sorry 
for your child on the spectrum. You right. feeling sorry for them isn't going to help them. Look for ways that can help them, that can give them structure with still having boundaries, mm -hmm. rules, still understanding what they're going through, but not changing everything about your life and your house exactly. for them because the world isn't. Always the example I give is when Justin was little, he would scream in the car seat when I turned the windshield wipers on when it was raining. I know people that if that, like the windshield wiper, would have just pulled over and waited for the rain to stop. Exactly. No, I, no. But I think for very young moms, it's so confusing and it's so hard. Well, and and, a and lot tiring. Of, a lot it's of exhausting. Moms also carry... And I've never been one of these moms, but a lot of moms carry a lot of guilt for some reason. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. You know? Well, um, I was told I, the refrigerator mother's theory was still a thing. I was told, oh, she probably just needs more affection from you. I can't even imagine. I would cut somebody so fast. I can't even imagine <laughs> dealing with that. Yeah. Kelly, thank you so much for coming in today. We have only just scratched the surface of our conversation. So there is going to be a part two to this wonderful exchange that we've had going on here so thank you so much for coming thanks so much i'd love i can't wait to come back I i'm just now realizing we have barely answered we answered <laughs> two and i was worried that it wasn't going to be enough we have to but that's great because i think these are the conversations that will be so helpful to people i i can't wait for this to air and for us to have the feedback from your community oh they're gonna love it they're gonna love it i can't wait to hear all the podcasts and i can't wait to come back i think we'll have a great time all right well we'll see you next time in the studio thanks guys thank you thank you